Welcome back to Will Wright Catholic. Today we're looking at Catholic social teaching and specifically the, the principles of solidarity and subsidiarity. And uh, so that's what we're looking at today. There's seven themes of Catholic social teaching. And uh, we covered this a little bit earlier in the episode entitled, Are We Called to Be Social Justice Warriors? And of course, the answer is, is no, that's not what Jesus is calling us to. And if you'd like to, to listen to that first, feel free. Uh, you can find that on Substack, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Uh, just look back in the catalog and, and it'll be right there. You can use the search function as well. If this is your first time joining us, welcome. It's wonderful to have you here. Here on Will Wright Catholic, I'm looking at all sorts of different topics related to the Catholic faith and how we live the faith in the world, and always trying to make good distinctions, because good distinctions are the spice of life. So it's wonderful to have you with us. Without further ado, let's dive in to look at solidarity and subsidiarity. Solidarity and subsidiarity are two principles of the moral teachings of the church that are absolutely required for a well-ordered and functioning society. In fact, the common good cannot be served without them. And it's from this starting point of the common good that we really have to start. Pope St. John the 23rd said in 1963 in Pacham and Terrace that civil authority must strive to promote the common good in the interest of all without favoring any individual citizen or category of citizen. Pope Leo XIII said in 1891 that civil society exists for the common good and hence is concerned with the interests of all in general. So civil society serving the common good is ordered towards men establishing right relationship with one another, setting up a commonwealth, because no man is an island unto himself and the good of each is uh, of each individual is inextricably linked to the good of society as a whole. So when we're looking at the common good, we're not looking at, uh, at making the greatest good for the greatest number of people. No, it's the, it's the good of all in common. As Pope Benedict XVI wrote in Caritas and Veritate, he said, to love someone is to desire that person's good and to take effective steps to secure it. How else can this be accomplished than in a community, a society, a gathering of individuals united to common purpose, at least to some large degree? And so with this, we move from the common good into the first principle we're looking at today, solidarity. So the common good is the aim of civil society, but how is it served? Well, solidarity basically is the reality that there's an interdependence among individuals and nations. In his work, Contessimus Honest, Pope, uh, Pope St. John Paul II provides the historical context of the word solidarity. He reports that in the writings of Pope Leo XIII, oftentimes the Greek philosophical term of friendship is employed with the same meaning as what we now call solidarity. Pope Pius XI refers to solidarity with the term social charity. And Pope St. Uh, Paul VI expanded, uh, as, as John Paul II writes, the concept to cover the many modern aspects of the social question, speaking of a civilization of love. Pope Benedict XVI put it eloquently to the Pontifical Academy of Social Sciences in 2008, when he said this, he said, solidarity refers to the virtue enabling the human family to share fully the treasure of material and spiritual goods. 
And subsidiarity is the coordination of society's activities in a way that supports the internal life of the local communities. So in our modern interconnected world with global media, we experience keenly the reality that we are connected. I mean, we watch the news and we feel personally affected by injustice that we see, human rights violations committed in countries that maybe we'll never even step foot. And there's a moral connotation to all of this because we wonder, how can I help? What can I do? See, the human heart naturally reaches out to the suffering and pain of others and it desires justice. But what can we do? Well, in solidarity, we understand that we are interconnected. As St. John Paul II put it in 1987, he said, it's above all a question of interdependence, sensed as a system determining relationships in the contemporary world, in its economic, cultural, political, and religious elements, and accepted as a moral category. When interdependence becomes recognized in this way, the correlative response as a moral and social attitude as a virtue is solidarity. This then is not a feeling of vague compassion or shallow distress at the misfortunes of so many people, both near and far. On the contrary, it's a firm and persevering determination to commit oneself to the common good. That is to say, to the good of all and of each individual, because we are really responsible for all. And he wrote that in Solicitudo Rei Socialis, paragraph 38. So committed to the common good, Aware of the interconnectedness of man, we set out in charity to sanctify the temporal order. And this is the heart of solidarity. We see the world as God sees it. We recognize the members of society as persons. Seeing the image of God and recognizing opportunities to practice solidarity do not belong exclusively to one class of people either. As St. John Paul II puts it, he says in paragraph 39 of Solicitudo Rei Socialis, those who are more influential because they have a greater share of goods and common services should feel responsible for the weaker and be ready to share with them all they possess. Those who are weaker for their part in the same spirit of solidarity should not adopt a purely passive attitude or one that's destructive of the social fabric, but while claiming their legitimate rights should do what they can for the good of all. The intermediate groups in their turn should not selfishly insist on their particular interests, but respect the interests of others. In other words, no one is excused from the practice of Christian charity. Likewise, because civil society exists to serve the common good, an essential condition for global solidarity is autonomy and free self-determination for countries. See, men organize themselves to constitute a commonwealth. Government should support the swelling of justice and charity without trying to undermine it in a tyrannical top-down approach. In those in government work, if you're listening, you can support the practice of solidarity by understanding that man's fulfillment comes by using his intelligence and freedom in freely giving of himself to others. Private initiative and ownership are therefore to be respected and kept in preeminent position. To quote St. John Paul II from Contestimus Annus, paragraph 43, he says, Man works in order to provide for the needs of his family, his community, his nation, and ultimately all humanity. Moreover, he collaborates in the work of his fellow employees as well as in the work of suppliers and in the customer's use of goods in a progressively expanding chain of solidarity. So it's Catholic and just to ensure bonds of solidarity among working people and allow them to practice useful work without exploitation and being used as a means of making only profit. 
Man works to provide for the need of others, and his work ought to firstly expand the work and wealth of society, which can then lead to profits, but only secondarily. So we need to keep that in mind. We need to create value first as the first order of business and then capture value or make profits secondarily. Even at the level of the family, a mutual support of husband and wife should be fostered by the community and by the government and care be given from one generation to the other. The family is rightly ordered as a community of work and solidarity and intergenerational solidarity. Solidarity requires seeing the human person. This is probably one of the biggest keys to this. We need to see people as God sees them. Often today, we might find two prevailing forces which seek to devalue us. On the one hand, the market sees only producers and consumers of goods. And on the other hand, the government only sees statistics and objects of state administration. Uh, but, the, but society serves the life of human persons and the common good. The market and the state are not the final purpose of society. So associations of persons and state agencies should work to promote a deeper vision of human solidarity. Because by doing so, solidarity can be shown by civil society in a way surpassing that of any one individual. Right? We can do more when we work together than we can do apart. Uh, Pope Francis said in 2013 that, As church, we have a strong responsibility to spread hope through works of solidarity, always seeking to collaborate in the best possible way with public institutions with respect for their respective responsibilities. And St. John Paul II put it this way in 1995 in Ut Unum Sint 43. He said, many Christians from all communities, by reason of their faith, are jointly involved in both in bold projects aimed at changing the world by inculcating respect for the rights and needs of everyone, especially the poor, the lowly, and the defenseless. So it's this vision of seeing the human person like as a person rather than a vague abstraction and respecting the needs of this person that we enter into solidarity with him. And as Pope Benedict XVI put it in Deus Caritas S. paragraph 18, he says, Only my readiness to encounter my neighbor and to show him love makes me sensitive to God as well. Only if I serve my neighbor can my eyes be open to what God does for me and how much he loves me. Really, solidarity is instantiated in our place of work when we serve the other. Uh, so if you're listening to this and you're a real estate agent, are you viewing the human purpose of the structure you're helping to buy and sell? If you're in healthcare, are you treating symptoms and diseases, or are you paying care to the whole human person and seeing the person? In government, are you giving due deference to human communities or simply building a more efficient bureaucracy? So you see, in, in whatever work you're doing, you can ask yourself, am I serving solidarity? Am I seeing the human person as a person, as God sees them, and working towards uh, really facilitating this interconnectedness? Pope Francis warned us in 2013 that this word solidarity runs the risk of being deleted from the dictionary because it's a word that bothers us. It bothers us. Why? Because it requires you to look at another and give yourself to another with love. By practicing solidarity from the heart of the church, we're able to work in the public sector and transcend the cultural, political, social, and geographic differences that separate people in an effort to see persons as God sees them. 
And as we encounter persons in the private or public sector in a clinical or service capacity, we grow in solidarity if we see them as persons to be loved. And likewise, if you're in an administrative or policy standpoint or role, we're provided opportunities to practice the virtue of solidarity and create systems and structures which facilitate the growth and holiness virtue and a more holistic view of the dignity of each human person. Now, the companion principle to solidarity is the principle of subsidiarity. Subsidiarity can be defined a couple of different ways. And I'm sure if uh, some of my friends are listening to this, they're probably uh, taking a drink of their drink because we have a, a drinking game um, of sorts that if I say subsidiarity in a, uh, in a conversation, everyone takes a drink because that's how much I love uh, the principle of subsidiarity. I think it's so vital. It's so important. And uh, so I hope this is helpful to you. But anyway, the best definition in my estimation is this. The best decision is made at the lowest possible level and the highest level necessary. So again, the best decision is made at the lowest possible level and the highest level necessary. We could put this another way. We could say any activity that can be performed by a more decentralized entity should be. The principle of subsidiarity comes into play on every level of analysis in human society. We can look at the interplay of the family in a community, or we can investigate the proper balance between a regional government and a national government. On the, state, on the level of the state, uh, that is a country, subsidiarity dictates that the state should not do things which belong properly to the capacity of individuals or private associations operating independently of the state. Again, subsidiarity means that the best decision is made at the lowest level possible and the highest level necessary. But we should be careful not to simply see subsidiarity as a conservative traditional principle that seeks to limit the power of the state. Instead, subsidiarity sets limits on the state, but it also justifies the existence of the state. The highest level necessary sometimes means that a national or federal level of oversight is necessary. We can think, for example, of the existence of border security, military administration, or policies regarding national patriotism. Right? It doesn't make sense for each state in the United States, for example, to have a flag code for the American flag. That would be something that would belong to the national government to decide. That's a small example, but those things like border security, military administration, uh, belong more readily to the federal level. So the state, the country, the nation is necessary, but it needs to be rightly limited to only those actions necessary to be administered at that level. The heart of the principle of subsidiarity, like solidarity, is human dignity. As Pope Benedict XVI beautifully teaches in Caritas and Veritate, paragraph 57, he says, subsidiarity respects personal dignity by recognizing in the person a subject who is always capable of giving something to others. By considering reciprocity as the heart of what it is to be a human being, subsidiarity is the most effective antidote against any form of an all-encompassing welfare state. So if we don't allow decisions to be made at the proper level, then power will be exercised in a foolish way on the one hand or in a tyrannical fashion on the other hand, or God forbid, a tyrannical foolish way. Um, but the effects of globalization, right? If we look at the world in, in a, on the international stage, the effects of globalization have yielded some fruits, but there's still a threat of what Pope Benedict XVI calls a dangerous universal power of a tyrannical nature. 
He acknowledges that there should be sufficient global authority to pursue the common good, the global common good, but most importantly, as he says in Caritas and Veritate, this authority, however, must be organized in a subsidiary and stratified way. If, if it's not inf to infringe upon freedom and if it's to yield effective results in practice. Pope Pius XI in 1931 in Quadragesimo Anno 80, paragraph 80, wrote on this reciprocal nature when he said this, the supreme authority of the state ought therefore to let subordinate groups handle matters and concerns of lesser importance, which would otherwise dissipate its efforts greatly. Thereby, the state will be more freely, powerfully, and effectively do, uh, to do all of those things that belong to it alone, because it alone can do them, directing, watching, urging, restraining, as occasion requires and necessity demands. So again, subsidiarity, the lowest possible level is where a decision should be made and the highest level necessary. Because the state cannot be an all-encompassing, tyrannical, unjustly limiting um, entity as it concerns individual autonomy. In the second world meeting of popular movements in 2015, Pope Francis said this very clearly. He said, no actual or established power has the right to deprive peoples of the full exercise of their sovereignty. Now, if we do not heed the church's sage understanding of subsidiarity, then the church will begin to provide everything even those things best left to a lower level or strata of society. And this would inevitably become a mere bureaucracy, which can never guarantee the thing needed most by those who are suffering, namely a loving, personal concern. As Pope Benedict XVI writes in Deus Caritas S28, he says, we do not need a state which regulates and controls everything, but a state which in accordance with the principle of subsidiarity generously acknowledges and supports initiatives arising from the different social forces and combines spontaneity with closeness to those in need. Because that's the beautiful thing about subsidiarity. When you make the decision on the lowest possible level and the highest level necessary, there's a closeness between the decision being made and the person who has to carry it out or the person to whom it affects. Right? So subsidiarity and solidarity really go together. They're, they come in a pair. And if we don't have both, then neither is assured. If we have subsidiarity without solidarity, then we have what Pope Benedict XVI called social privatism. In this situation, the individual is free to operate as they will, but with no regard for his fellow man, and this doesn't serve the common good. On the other hand, if we have solidarity but not subsidiarity, then we have what Pope Benedict calls paternalist social assistance that is demeaning to those in need. In 1961, Pope St. John XXIII wrote clearly that experience has shown that where personal initiative is lacking, political tyranny ensues. And in addition, economic stagnation in the production of a wide range of consumer goods and of services of the material and spiritual order. He wrote that in Mater and Magistra uh, 57. So this paternalist social assistance could be what we call a social assistance state or a welfare state. And such a society deprives individuals of personal responsibility. The social assistance state says Pope St. John Paul II in Cantesimus Annas, paragraph 48, he says, it leads to a loss of human energies and an inordinate increase of public agencies, which are dominated more by bureaucratic ways of thinking than by concern for serving their clients, and which are accompanied by an enormous increase in spending. 
In fact, it would appear that needs are best understood and satisfied by people who are closest to them and who act as neighbors to those in need. So the lesson here is an incredibly practical one. For those involved in the public or private sectors alike, we must view people as persons with true value. We need to work towards the common good, ensure that we're keeping subsidiarity and solidarity operative, and if we're to avoid tyranny, then we must put subsidiarity into practice. If we're to avoid privatism devoid of charity, then we have to put solidarity into practice. So I hope this has been helpful to you. I hope you understand solidarity and subsidiarity a bit better. I hope that you can implement those in your lives. They're vastly important principles. Without them, we really can't practice Catholic social teaching and thus live out the gospel. Um, so very, very practical stuff here. If this been, has been a blessing to you, um, please feel free to comment or like or share uh, this podcast, share it with your friends and family, put it on your social media. Uh, and I'd love to hear from you. If, if there's a comment you'd like to make or a question, uh, let me know, and I can always answer it on the next podcast. So um, feel free to do that. You can email me at will.write.catholic at gmail.com or simply uh, leave a comment on Substack on uh, the emails that come out. And if you haven't subscribed on Substack, I highly recommend you do that to make sure that you always get the emails with the new episodes and content that comes out. And that's simply by going to willwritecatholic.com and signing up. You can do that for free. Uh, or if this podcast has been a blessing to you, there are some expenses involved. And so I'd, I'd welcome uh, paid subscribers as well. Again, that's not necessary. All the podcasts will remain free. Um, but if this has been of value to you, then, uh, you know, out of reciprocity, uh, which is what we brought up today, then then please feel free to contribute. It would mean a great deal to me to help me uh, continue to make these. And so let's end in prayer. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, now and ever and forever. Amen. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.